When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and this Monday afternoon I'm joined by James McKenzie. Um, our friend Colin Watt will be on at some point this week, maybe later on in the week. So if you're missing them, you'll only have to wait a few days. Um, we're in the midst of World Cup frenzy, James. Um, how have you been enjoying it? Obviously there is one final encounter today that I'll be keeping an eye on and then there'll be one Celt left in the tournament after that one is Japan versus Croatia. How have you been enjoying the tournament? Well, it was absolutely brilliant at the start of the group stage when you had games from 10am all the way to 7pm, four games a day. But when you're stuck inside like me, you thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was great viewing and the amount of upsets as well. I saw a lot of people slating off the World Cup at the start just based on a footballing aspect. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. You've got 
Belgium got out in the groups. They've got Uruguay got out in the groups. Germany sadly got out in the groups. So many teams got out. And England are still doing quite well. But despite the World Cup, uh, you'd think it would be quite quiet on a Celtic news front. But when Ange Postacoglu is the manager, there's always something getting done. We had three players in before January even started last year. And we've got two in already. We might even add a third. Who knows? But there's always something to talk about when Ange Postacoglu is manager. No, there definitely is. And the good thing about that is that the stuff we're talking about is positive. Like you say, this is now the norm that we're getting our business done early, which is fantastic. A couple of players already in the door. We'll be talking about Alistair Johnson because that was confirmed. Um, before, actually, it was confirmed after the, the Friday bulletin, I believe. So that, that hasn't been um, uh, spoken about in any great depth. We spoke about it as a rumour. Fabrizio Romano has tweeted about Juranovic in the last 30 minutes. So we'll be having a wee look at where this leaves JJ, who will be in action today. Uh, but I've got to say, first of all, before we get stuck into some of these comments as well, James, well done on your debut. You made your commentary debut for Bonnie Rigros. I was listening to that this morning. And I'll tell you what, that commentary is harder than it sounds. It's harder than it looks, isn't it? Yeah, talking, talking for 90 minutes and always trying to say something new, something exciting. It's pretty difficult, but it's our, it's our first experience trying to get into my dream job. It's, it was really exciting. It is one of the things, though, that it goes hand in hand with your memories of watching football. You're talking about um, the World Cup. You know, a lot of people, I, I think, tend to write off the World Cup in the early games. Um, but back in the day where we were all kind of tied to TV sets, uh, sometimes at, at strange times, without the ability to give instant feedback on social media, um, you know, there were there were poor games even in the best tournaments, right? There, there were poor games and slow starts and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but you associate games and memories of football with the commentary uh, and the voice. And Scottish football has had some legendary figures in the hot seat. So hopefully, James, you can follow. Because there's been some absolute legendary voices in the Scottish game. Um, I'm going to bring up comments as they fly in. Uh, we're going to be talking about new signings, those who have come in, a couple of uh, rumours that are flying around at the moment. Peter Lowell's back in the, bu the building. I'm going to give James an opportunity to speak about that. I haven't spoken about it yet on Axom either. What's your thoughts? Um, uh, do you have any concerns about Peter Lowell coming back to Celtic? Um, is the main concern that everything's been working fine since he departed in inverted commas, James, because some think that he never left um, and you don't want it to go back to the way it was, the recruitment policy seems to be working. Um, let's not rock the boat. What are your thoughts? Let us know and we'll bring you into the conversation. Celtic follower comes in early doors. Is the friendly in Portugal going to be televised? That's a good shout, actually. Um, Celtic TV. Is it? Doors, I think. Yeah. Because um, we will be playing Ren, um, the, the League Un team, on the 10th of December. We'll be having a wee chat about that as well. Um, as to whether or not a couple of the young guys will get game time as well. Anybody able to confirm if it's televised and we'll bring that up as well. I was hoping it would be on Celtic TV. Uh, good afternoon to Paddy. I hope you are well, sir. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in January when you come to a Celtic State of Mind live. Uh, we now have We've got three dates in the diary, but we haven't announced the third one yet. But the second date in the diary is February with Tom Boyd. And what I want you to realise is that um, I love an audience with ex-footballers, particularly ex-Celtic players. That's tremendous. And the people that do them do a magnificent job. But we are doing this a little bit differently, James, so that when you go in January, it wouldn't be a case of when February's gig comes along, you think, I oh, can't be bothered, because it will 
be relevant to Januarys and so on because the players that we have as special guests on the night uh, won't just be sitting down for an hour or 90 minutes and chatting about their career. It's got to be more of a kind of TV show setup. So there are going to be segments where the crowd's going to be involved. There are going to be certain challenges and um, a bit of humour will be thrown in as well. So Tom Boyd in February, a few tickets left. It is heading towards a sellout. The tickets can be purchased on the link under this video, as can a few other things. Um, we are going to be announcing very, very soon the date of the charity single. We were up at Celtic Park and down the Gallagher and at St Mary's yeah. on Saturday with Paul Sheridan, who, by the way, is such a professional. I was talking to you earlier about commentary. You take it for granted, you think it must be easy. And then you, you sit in that gantry and I bet you it's far from easy. And then you watch a music video and somebody miming and taking 10 or 12 or 15 takes and walking the same line and all this kind of stuff. Where you see it from behind the camera, it's a lot more difficult than it looks. And Paul Sheridan done a fantastic job. So the concept of the video, James, was we're going from paradise back to the birthplace. And so we start up at Celtic Park. We actually start at the Celtic Graves plaque of the old Celtic Park. And we take a walk down to the, the through the Gallagate um, and onto St Mary's and into the church, right down the aisle. We see Brother Walfred down the bottom uh, on the altar. Uh, his portrait is there. I'm really looking forward to sharing this with everybody. And basically the plan is we're going to have a weekender where we do two 12-hour stints live the Axom contributors, um, and we'll be pushing the single that weekend to try and get as many downloads as possible. And who knows, we might even get the boys and Carly Connor on backing vocals into the charts. That would be fantastic. And obviously every penny that's raised, we give it to Charity James. So I'm looking forward to it. And the video, from what I've seen, looks absolutely superb. Um, so here we go. Let's bring in the first comment on Peter Law. What comes in from Jake. Dust has settled but still concerned by Lowell return. Whatever his title, his reputation suggests he will interfere in football business and care more about making a few quid than on-field success. There are a few concerns, but, you know, rather than allowing this conversation to dominate the entire show, James, we'll dip in and out of the comments and then we'll have a wee chat about it as well. But let's start off, because we're in the, the midst of World Cup fever, We'll start off with that big game. It's uh, Maeda versus Juranovic. It's Japan versus Croatia. One Celt, one, one current Celt, will be in the quarterfinals. Who's it going to be? Well, considering Juranovic, it looks like he's going to be on his way out. I'm going to be back and diving all the way. I'm going to be hoping <laughs> Japan will get the job done. And they've already taken sort of two big scalps already. Ten scalps in Germany and Spain, two former World Cup winners in the last twelve years, doing very big teams in the international stage. Whereas Croatia have just looked sort of a, a shadow of what they were four years ago at the twenty eighteen World Cup, which it's all it's always always going to be hard to repeat what they've done mm -hmm. there, got to the final. But I'm going to be back in Dyson. and Dyson will be playing through the middle. That's where he plays for Japan. So I'm not sure if we'll see him going head to head with Juranic very much, but. It'll, it'll be quite, it'll be quite interesting to see because it'll, it'll show us a lot of Celtic fans give Maeda a hard time. So if Maeda's there skinning Juranovic around the park, then that will really open up some Celtic fans' eyes. I think he has had a bit of a hard time, isn't he? Not not so much last season, but I think this season uh, there was that period. And by the way. I don't think his form was great, James. I mean, it's not as though he was getting a hard time for the yeah, sake of it. Was wanted. Yep, and um, then the announcement happened for the Japanese squad and as Celtic fans watching the form 
of the three players who were in the running for the squad, I'm looking at Hatati and Kyogo ahead of Maeda. Don't know if you agree with that. And then Maeda gets the call. And then you start asking the questions, how is he regarded back in his homeland or by the Japanese international manager? Um, and Kyogo's spoken about it. I've not heard much coming back from Hatati, but Kyogo has spoken about his disappointment there. So we're all in full support of Maeda. Uh, it may also give him a boost for the second half of the season. I think he was coming back into good form at Celtic before he went over there. Um, and it will be interesting to see how Juranovic performs also because, uh, like I was saying, in the last 30 minutes or so, um, your your man Fabrizio Romano um, has tweeted, Josip Juranovic on the radar for many clubs after a strong World Cup for Croatia at right back. Celtic are open to discuss offers as have already secured a replacement and Alistair Johnson in case Juranovic leaves in the next transfer windows. Um, so Fabrizio Romano, he doesn't always get it right. I mean, he was tweeting something similar, not about the World Cup, but about Juranovic at the beginning of the campaign. And we came on to Axom and we were really confident that we're going to keep him, which we have done. Uh, but the goalposts have moved a bit. We're out of the Champions League. We've brought in a replacement. All, you know, everything is, is pointing towards Juranovic leaving leaving Celtic Park. Now, I think we've, we've spoken long and hard about it, James. Timing-wise, it's probably the best time possible. We've got a, a brand-new replacement come in and Tony Ralston at the club. And Juranovic is at an age where, again, if you want to cash in, maybe now's the time to do that. Yeah, we've seen Johnson. He fits the age profile that we usually look for in the January window perfectly. At 24 years old, you look at the last window, we signed Maida and Hattati, both around the same sort of age. And it's it's brilliant that we're buying the replacement before the players even out the door. I think this is just an Ange thing because we didn't see it that many times before Ange. The last time I can remember was when we signed Edward, and he was playing third choice for a bit behind Griffiths <coughs> and Dembele. Then Dembele goes out the door. Edward's the ready-made replacement just right there. I think that was more chancely. That just sort of fell in our laps. But the fact that were acting so quickly before the moves even happened. Uh, it gives a lot of a lot of encouragement. It does, it does. And it's like what we're talking about before. Some of these concerns that have been creeping in are around the fact that uh, things are being done much better now and uh, we don't want that to be changed in any way, shape or form. Magnet 67. Afternoon Axom team, I think the Japanese team might just shock Croatia. Will be interesting to see JG versus Maeda. Absolutely. I remember uh, chatting around, um, I'd, I'd done a, an interview quite some time ago with Jock Brown, a commentator from back in the day who obviously ended up at Celtic. And he was t- telling me about his brother, uh, 1998 at that time, um, had led Scotland to their last finals. And obviously it was a World Cup in 1998 in France. And at that time, James, I mean, if, if I go back to um, kind of like my childhood and how Scotland did qualify time and time again, um, there was a record, I think, of five in a row. Was it 74, uh, 78, 82, um, and then 86 in, in 1990? We, we qualified for all five of those tournaments. We missed out in USA 94, we were back in France 98, and then there was this this period. Um, and the interesting thing, there is relevance to what Magnet says there, is talking about Japanese football. Um, there was a, a conversation, you know, at one of these finals tournaments where Jurgen Klinsmann was um, doing the punditry and at half time, Japan were beating Belgium 2-0. I think it was the quarters... Mm. 
Yeah. Um, the last 16. The last yeah. 16. And, jo- and to be fair, Belgium came back, I think, 1-3-2 or 4-2. Yeah. But uh, the conversation at time is, how did this happen? How did Japan become a footballing force? This was a few years ago. Um, and then they went into this discussion talking about the their equivalent of uh, the Department of Sport or the head of sport basically looking around Japan and saying that there was a lot of space that that wasn't being used and it was things like tennis courts, James, and badminton courts. And they were outside, outdoors, and they decided, no, we're actually going to be focusing on building our football um, culture within within the country. And they adapted them all and changed them all into all-weather, all-year-round football parks. And lo and behold, they started producing footballers. And I think that... You know, at that time, 1998, afterwards, Scotland as a football nation was in a good position financially. They had a lot of money at their disposal at that time, not just the World Cup money, but also um, a lot of uh, granting and funding. And Craig Brown, to his credit, wanted to do something similar in Scotland. He wanted wanted 50 all-weather football parks to be built so that kids could play free charge all year round, James. You know, and this is 98. Um, so, you know, a generation on, you might have started seeing some of the benefits, but instead the SFA decided to pump all that money into uh, Hamden Park. And, you know, we then went on a period of time right up until Stevie Clark, where we never qualified for anything. So it's all about, I think, a long-term strategy. And sometimes it concerns me, particularly when you see how well Japan are doing again in this particular tournament. I mean, we're a football nation, James. We should be doing better. Yeah, you look at, I know Uruguay is quite a historic football nation, but nations like... (coughs) Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Like Uruguay and Croatia, how well they do at these big tournaments with populations around the same as on lower than what we have and it's, it's quite astounding how poorly we seem to do in our efforts to try to get to these tournaments but it seems like there's some good quality young players coming through in the Scottish teams you've got I hope guys like Ben Doak can and sort of players in a similar mould him can go on and become a success mm-hmm. for the future of the Scottish national team so Maybe in the next sort of ten years we could potentially see Scotland at a World Cup because the nation, the last Nations League, it was really encouraging. But we really should have been at this World Cup. When you look at the playoff route that we had, where it was Ukraine and then Wales, mm-hmm. we beat Ukraine three 0 in the Nations League just a matter of months later, and Wales were absolutely terrible at the World Cup. They got embarrassed. I'm really confident Scotland would have beat Ukraine, but they would have beat Wales as well. But it's just. So things happen on the day and things didn't go away then. And there is a lot of young talent. You're spot on. I mean, uh, Ben Doak 
to name but one. That's another conversation about why all these guys are leaving Celtic. Um, we're taking a couple of the the youth, uh, not youth players, but the B team players to Portugal, and we hope to see some game time for for Vata, Albeit I know he doesn't represent Scotland, um, but I'm talking about uh, Scot- Scottish football as a nation has to be stronger, um, both internationally and on a European stage as well. So we're both. Um, Looking at Japan versus Croatia with interest, uh, already James has stuck his colours to the mask by saying that if JJ is leaving already early doors, we're supporting Maeda in Japan. Uh, I'd love to see it. I would love to see Japan progress, and I think they've been one of the, the high points of the tournament for me. Alan Robertson, good afternoon to you, sir, and Ryan Kelly, afternoon. Welcome to the show. If you are watching, like Keith Oakden, um from Plymouth, or anywhere else on the globe, and you haven't already subscribed, get subscribing. We celebrated our 20,000th subscribers uh, milestone last week. So what we'll be doing this week is we'll be drawing out the hat one lucky winner who'll win two tickets to the um, the Vim Janssen Tribute Night in May next year. So uh, stay tuned, because that'll be happening this week. And we also have Patrick Harold coming in uh, for a chat magnet 67. 12 more days until we see our Celtic again. Can he wait? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the worst thing about uh, these tournaments, isn't it? Is the fact that Celtic won't be playing. But hopefully... The game will be televised. Now, before we move on to other matters, still on the World Cup subject, James, Aaron Moy. I mean, how impressed have you been with his performances? And let's have a wee think back to the reaction of some when he signed for Celtic. Pretty underwhelming, um, a lot of people thought. But he has proven, both at Celtic and during this World Cup tournament, that he is um, a bit of an operator. I, you know, I think he's a, he's been a very, very good addition to Angie's squad. Yeah, I can't really comment on the reaction when he joined. I was in the underwhelmed boat and he's well and truly proved me wrong. He, I think it was maybe the first sort of 25 half an hour against France. He was looking like an absolute Rolls Royce for a player in that midfield. But his best performance in the tournament was the game against Tunisia. He was absolutely phenomenal in that game. And he's looked, he's looked like he's been able to compete with a level. And even against Argentina... I thought he was one of Australia's better players, if not the best player in the team. And the fact that he hasn't looked out of depth at all, I don't think he's looked out of depth when we've played in the Champions League either. He seems to really help us when he came on off the bench. I think it was, I think it was the Shakhtar game at home. I thought Anmoy was really good when he came on off the bench. And he's, he doesn't look out of depth at all. And that's it's absolutely perfect for Celtic for the second half of the season. Yeah, I've got Anmoy because he's been playing over this new break as well. His fitness isn't going to be an issue. He looks proper back to full fitness now. Uh, it's only going to benefit us mm. for the sort of coming games. For sure. Uh, uh, there's a few players, I think, on the periphery of the squad, James, who, if they're still with us um, come the end of January, you've got to ask what their contribution's going to be. And I think that uh, one of the guys is is quite an obvious one in Idiguchi. Um People have spoken about James McCarthy. He'd never really got going since he came to Celtic and unfortunately he got injured at the worst possible time. Um, and the other one I would maybe throw in, I'm not going to say Haxabanovic because I think he's already made an impact and that's going to get better as the second half progresses, is Albilgar, who we've not really seen a great deal of. But, you know, he's, he's come to Celtic um, and, he, he, you know, he's of some calibre and I think that uh, he's a player that may well do well for us the second half of the season. Then you throw in guys like Moy, maybe even Maeda, who, 
with the World Cup games under their belt, they come back with, with a spring in their step and, you know, that's transferred from international to, to club football as well. Who do you think we're going to be keeping an eye on that uh, might improve and be a big, big player for us in the second half of the season, James? No, I was happy you mentioned Dabble Guard there because I've been really surprised at his lack of game time. He mm. hasn't, I don't think he's started a game for us yet. It's all been sort of 10, even five minute cameos. He doesn't get time to impact the game. It's always sort of last five minutes if we need to hold out a result. And he's not really stood out either when he's came on off the bench. But again, when you've only got five minutes, there's not really much to show. And I thought when we signed him, he was going to have a real part to play. So I've been, I've been a bit shocked by that. But maybe we'll... we'll <coughs> The cold's absolutely killing me here. Maybe we'll see a bit more of him in the second half of the season. I'm really looking at that Morton game and the Scottish Cup as a game where we could give a lot of these rotation players a real chance in the team and maybe even some of the B-team players as well. If we really want to give the B-team players a chance, then putting Vata and Lawal into that game is a real opportunity to show that we, there is a pathway from the B-team to the first team. I think you've made a really good point and it will lead us on to the Morton game actually because I'm going to throw it out there in relation to how do we deal with a game like this, right? Because we bang on quite a bit on Axel actually about youth development, getting players in. Every time somebody leaves like Ben Doak, we're always talking about what, what's gone wrong. How, how come there wasn't a pathway for a player like him at Celtic when he's you know he's made his debut for Liverpool uh, you know, at 16? Uh, but then we come up to a Scottish Cup game against uh, lower league opposition, albeit they're doing well in the Championship this season, Morton. And you think, right, OK, are we going for a treble or are we going to try and introduce some new players? Because if you introduce some new players, James, you might, you know, the result might not go your way, but you're getting confidence, you're getting um, you know, game time into these players' legs. So I, I do want to talk about that. Uh, a couple of wee points coming through before I do it, though. Uh, Magnet has been busy this morning, had a Celtic t-shirt on in the hotel bar watching the Ghana versus Uruguay game the other night and a Canadian chap waxed lyrical about Ali G. Ali J. Ali J. We'll be talking about Ali J at some point today as well. Uh, Magda, I'm looking forward to him. Uh, from what I've seen, um, a very astute signing by um, Ange Postacoglu. And welcome also to the show to uh, Bori Connolly. Uh, well, Paul, never say never. Last night on Twitter, turns out to be me viewing. Well, thanks for joining and hopefully you can also subscribe to the channel. We'll be talking about Peter Lowell um, and his return to Celtic because it's a discussion point. We talk about everything on this show from new strips to new signings to uh, new chairman. So we will be talking about Peter Lowell um, as the show progresses and it would be great to hear your thoughts on that. Is it a good appointment? Have you any concerns? Uh, are those that have concerns uh, needing to um, turn up a bit and be a wee bit more positive? Let me know your thoughts. And we've even got Kevin Graham coming in. Kevin Graham will obviously be appearing later on in the week. Right, let's talk about the Morton game then, right? So we've got a game against Morton. It's in the Scottish Cup and it's a, a tournament that we have a, a rich history with. I always love to be in the showpiece final at the end of the season. I always look upon the Scottish Cup. James is a wee bit more of a, a must win than the League Cup. Maybe it's because it's an older tournament. I'm not too sure. There used to be more of an allure with Cup tournaments if you could, you know, get into Europe through them, etc. as well. Um, but the Scottish Cup against Morton in January, we come up against a team who are pushing for a promotion from the Championship. They've recently been linked with former Celt Lee Griffiths um, and they have in their ranks F.A. Ambrose, who is only 34. 
years of age. I would never have thought he was 10 years younger than me. Um, anyway, the game itself I'm looking forward to, but the question is how do we approach it? So I had a wee look back and I listed this team when I was talking to Deck last week. This is when we played them back in 2013, uh, almost 10 years ago. Zaluska, Ambrose, Van Dyke, Mulgrew, Lustig, Beaton, Brown, Borigta, McGeoch, Rogic and Puki. And Puki, that was the team. Now, you're thinking though, there's enough on that part to win the game. We all know we didn't win the game. Won nothing after extra time, Doogie Emery. Um, this time round, you've you've already suggested, right, you've got to try and find opportunities to give game time to younger players. And I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And one of my biggest criticisms during the nine in a row, if you're looking for a criticism, is that there was loads of games at home where we're winning at a canter and you're thinking, where's the minutes going to the youth players? There wasn't a, enough of that for me. I know some players came through, but not enough of it. Um, is it too much of a risk in a cup game, albeit at home? We know what's happened before that that time we played back September 2013. They beat us 1-0. Or is this the ideal opportunity to give someone like Rocco Vata his competitive debut for Celtic? Uh, what's your thoughts in the comments? And James McKenzie, what's your thoughts? Is it the ideal time? The only sort of gripe I've got with Celtic at the moment is there's no pathway for the B team to the first team and there, there hasn't been for about 10 years they always bang on about it and the interviews here Stephen McManus and Dan O'Day it's all about the pathway it's all about the pathway it's all about the pathway well there's no pathway at the moment because we haven't seen any B team players all season apart from meaningless friendlies Yeah. but as, as I was saying earlier I think this is the game this is the game. It's the only opportunity I can see this season where they could really, really get a game and make an impact. It's mm-hmm. a clear opportunity against a much lower opposition. Give them the chance. Give them the run out. And maybe even guys like Idiguchi, some of the sort of outsiders, the guys in the fringes that don't really get as much of an opportunity in the first team. I mean, Idiguchi was a regular player in the J League. I'd imagine the J League is of a higher quality than the Scottish Championship. And they should be able to play fairly well at that level. There's always the chance for a shock, but I think Ange is very well clued in to avoid that. But it can happen at the best of the managers. But I can't see Celtic crumbling. So Morton are in very good form in the Championship. They might even get promoted. I have a feeling they might fall away, though, at some point. There's a lot of good teams in the Championship. Mm -hmm. Very competitive league, but... It'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm fairly confident we'll get through. The Scottish Cup, as you are mentioning, I favour it a lot more than League Cup as well. It's just got a bit more prestige about it. I think it's one of the oldest cups in the world. I'm not sure if that's the Scottish Cup or the FA Cup, but it's one of the oldest. A lot of prestige about it. And for a lot of the older fans, it, because they used to get teams into Europe and all of that, yeah. it holds that sort of value as well. It's been built into you from a young age, the importance of the Scottish Cup. So it'll be very exciting to see. I'm, I'm trying to think what TV channel it'll be on. Is it a Premier got they've still got the rights to the Scottish Cup? That's a good question. Um, that is a very good but question. Fire play now. It's, yeah. it's I, I think it was always a showpiece, wasn't it? And from memory, looking back, it was a it was a nice sunny day. Now I know some of the older heads might disagree because, like seventy seven, nineteen seventy seven, it was raining 
Celtic fans had their uh, traditional uncovered end of Hamden uh, whilst everybody else was under the, the shelter. But um, I always remember things like the 88 Cup final, Blazing Sun, 89 Cup final in the sunshine as well. Um, so it's a bit of a showpiece. And yes, I always want Celtic to win tournaments, no matter what the tournament is that they're going in for. But on the same same token, there are opportunities when you're playing lower league opposition to bring in and bleed in some of these younger or fringe players. Let us know your thoughts. I would certainly like to to see them in the friendly game against Lille, uh, sorry, Wren. Um, I would like to see them making an appearance there. And I think that kind of confidence that they can get from being in and around the first team, because you, you've got... You've got a very good knowledge, James, of that tier of football that Celtic B play in. It's fifth tier. Your team that you commentate for are in the same league. And then you're looking at that championship. Um, oh, you've got promoted. Sorry, mate. Yeah, you got promoted. Sorry, I take that back. No disrespect intended. You got promoted. It was a great season last year, actually. Um, Scottish Championship, you look at that table, the top four teams um, at the moment. By the way, some of the, the teams under that like Patrick Thistle and Vanessa Carley, the top four teams, any one of them can get promoted this year as it stands. The form of all those four teams is, has been really, really impressive. And then the form from uh, the Jags right down to Hamilton has been pretty patchy and pretty poor. But you've got Air United, Dundee, Queen's Park and Morton. Morton's in and about that. They're in the mix there. So they are pushing, obviously. And, and I think one of the things they were planning to do was to bring in a goal scorer in Lee Griffiths to try and get them over that final hurdle. I'm pretty sure that that's up in the air after the revelations last week. Uh, but they're a decent, decent side. And then, you know, you're looking at Effie Ambrose, a player um, who was something of a cult icon at Celtic. Um, you know, you could get a 9 one week and a 4 the next. But it would be just like him to have an absolute standout performance against Celtic as well. Um, so, yeah, it will be interesting. And I think as well, you've always got that luxury almost of having other guys on the bench that you can, you know, bring on to try and save the day if, if that is necessary as well. But we need to give these guys a chance. We really do. And again, in the Cup games this season, um, you know, we've not played Joe Hart and it's given Seagrist a chance. And you would be disappointed if you're Seagrist and you go into the next game against Kilmanic and you're dropped. So, you know, I think it is a good opportunity for Ange to bleed some of these guys in. Um, and by the way, again, another wee Bonnie Red Rose shout out. Ryan Kelly, congrats on your commentary debut, James. Even if you're half an iconic commentary voice, i.e. like Derek Ray, then I'm sure you'll do well. Uh, absolutely. I don't know how you practice for commentary. I do remember seeing, I'm not sure who it was, and it was the notes that they would take in every game, James. And it was like every single player on the park, loads of facts and figures and all that kind of stuff, beautifully written out in preparation and I remember uh, having an opportunity one time to work behind the scenes at uh, BT Sport for a game against Hamilton it was Edward's debut and I seen Chris Sutton and Chris Sutton's preparation was unbelievable I mean he had a box file of notes papers everything uh, to prepare himself for, for the evening's game I know that's you know, a lot of the things he comes away with could seem off the cuff and all that. But in terms of the research and the time that he must have spent just for one game, the ultimate professional. And I'm sure you'll be doing the same as well. Remember Susan Finlay. Can I just mention, I saw online, you know, the commentator Clive Tildesley. Yeah. He, for a brief while, he was selling his commentary notes for iconic games. It may have been and that. He was, he was the commentator on... <coughs> Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. 
But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The TV for the Celtic Manchester United game. Right. The Nakamura free kick, the Boric penalty save. And just imagine that as a novelty gift, having all the college notes for that iconic game. It's, it's absolutely spectacular. It is. I think that's the ones I've seen, James, because they're so you know neatly written. Every single player is gone into depth about their background, how they're playing that season, their strengths, their weaknesses. I know it's brilliant. Um, that level of preparation, I love to see it. Susan, welcome back to the show. Susan Finlay, you're watching on YouTube. Really looking forward to hearing the single and the charity weekender. For anyone who's tuning in and who's un- unaware, um, we spoke a couple of years ago now, actually. It was maybe just before lockdown. Um, when we were still doing the, the audio podcast and we spoke to a musician called Gary John Kane whose brothers were in Hue and Cry but Gary John is the bass player in The Proclaimers he also played with uh, the McCluskey brothers and uh, Marianne Faithful, and he told us during just you know as an aside during the interview that he had written this song back in the back in the 80s and that Celtic were planning to release it for the centenary season Celtic in their wisdom decided uh, instead to release the Celtic rap that, if anybody listening in has heard, uh, is an abomination on vinyl. But I think what they were trying to do, James, is it was in vogue to to be a rapper and all that. You had the Anfield rap, which had gotten to the charts. Celtic obviously tried to ride on the, the coattails of that. So they ditched the idea. So Gary John and um, JJ Gilmer from the Silencer, Silencers had written a song called The Glory and the Dream. And Gary sent me the uh, demo, which I absolutely love. I still love it. It's, it's very different to the final cut. Um, and it put me in mind of Christy Moore. It was very folky. It was brilliant. And so we asked for permission from the two songwriters if we could re-record it, bring it up to, to date, and then release it for charity because we always have that charity drive at Christmas time. They, they both agreed, which was fantastic. It's been re-recorded by The Wakes with Carly Connor on backing vocals and the video is currently being edited. So we'll be putting all the dates out, Susan, very soon, but it will be within the next couple of weeks. We'll be doing a charity weekender to really push that as well, as many uh, downloads as possible. And apparently between eight and 10,000 will get you in the top 40. So who knows? Um, I don't know what happens if you get a a chart single these days. Uh, James, back in the day, used to be on top of the pops, but that no longer exists. Um, So we'll see what happens there. Um, So yeah, that is going to be announced very, very soon. There's a lot of chat around departures and signings. We're going to get on to Alistair Johnston next. Uh, We know a bit about him because obviously we were aware of the interest, James. So we've all been watching with interest during the World Cup. How impressed have you been with the new recruit? I think everybody was really had a keen eye on the the, the Canada-Belgium game. Because yeah. the news, the murmurs about Alistair Johnson started maybe around an hour, two hours before the game kicked off. And you see he's starting Mark Eden Hazard on the wing. So yeah, you've got a very keen eye on that game. And I thought, 
it was pretty decent. I remember uh, it was just a few days ago, just just after it got announced. I think it was the Sun posted the worst team of the group stage, and coincidentally, Alistair Johnson was a right back. And from watching that World Cup, I don't think Alistair Johnson was the worst right back at the tournament. I can assure you, there's loads worse, loads of players in that tournament who played way worse than Alistair Johnson. But I think he gave a, a decent account for himself. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at the tournament and get worried that it might be a bad sign. And I think the fact that he's playing at that level is a very good sign. And he's of a good age as well. He seems to be of a summer mould to Juranovic as well. I'm just thinking if he will start as soon as he comes into the team. Because mm-hmm. I think the MLS, the MLS season just finished about maybe a month or two ago. So he's just played a full season. So mm-hmm. it'll be a similar sort of situation to the Japanese boys when they came in in January. There might be some signs of fatigue there. Who knows, even yeah. with the World Cup he's just played. So I can see him maybe playing second fiddle to Ralston for the first few months. And I don't think Ralston deserves that because I think he's been the better of our two right-backs this first first half of the season. I think Greg Taylor's been the best full-back overall, but Anthony Ralston has performed better than Juranovic this season. And just on Juranovic, I, I think he's sort of tailed off a bit this season. It's not me being bitter because it looks like he's out the door either. I think that's what a lot of people are perceiving it as. But you'd, you'd be lying if you said you didn't look at the Champions League games and stuff and you were a bit disappointed by Juranovic's performances. Well, I think you raise a lot of really good points there, uh, James. First and foremost, Tony Ralston. Yeah, he has been. He's been excellent this season. I can't think. I mean, the, the St Mirren game, I give him a bye for that because I think everybody was poor that day. But I, I can't really think of a really bad performance other than that one that uh, Ralston's turned out for Celtic this season. I think he's been unlucky at times uh, not to get the nod over Juranovic because, you know, Juranovic again since the beginning of the season there has been speculation and it's going to be difficult for players I'm not going to say your head gets turned because I didn't think that kind of thing affected Chris Iyer in his final season at Celtic um, I honestly don't I think his performances uh, under the circumstances were excellent in his final campaign at Celtic even though he was one of the guys that was looking He's one towards of the only players, one of the only players that season who could sort of hold their head up I think him and maybe a wee bit of controversial opinion but I think Edward if you look at his goal numbers that season, I think he could hold his head high as well. When you look at the stats, it's an interesting one. It was one of his best seasons, but um, very, very loosely, not really uh, the numbers that the analysts get right stuck into about the abilities and um, aerial duels, etc. But he's a 24-year-old right-back that we're bringing in for a reported €3.5 million. Euros. Um, Canadian international with loads of experience at that level, obviously World Cup experience as well. And obviously I, I was interested as well. Um, I love hearing things like the fact that um, he was talking to his old teammate Victor Wanyama at uh, Montreal and Wanyama was waxing lyrical about Celtic. I love all that kind of stuff. Um, but we were we were chatting as, a, as an Axom group about um, the potential for Juranovic and Yakamakis to leave the club. Um, a lot of that for me is is obviously a press narrative. Of course it is uh, in terms of the contracts. We've got both players are on long-term contracts. If Celtic want to keep them, they will keep them. Simple as that. Um, there's, there's talk around this agreement uh, that there was going to be a discussion with Yakamakis that if, if he had a good first season, he would get improved terms. And I says to JP on Thursday last week, well, 
and agreements in paper. You know, nothing, nothing's a handshake these days. Uh, I know that we used to do that back in the days of Van Hooydonk and uh, De Canio, even earlier with McAvaney and Elliot, and uh, we lost all those players because apparently the board didn't keep the agreement. Nothing's done in a handshake, James. So if there's an agreement with Yakimakis, then that's something that obviously we'll be dealing with. But I was looking at the fact that we brought both players in, the similar age, of course, uh, you know, Yakimakis and Junioranovic. Yakimakis turns um, 28 this week. Juranovic is 27. We brought Yakimakis in for just under 2 million quid on the 31st of August. Juranovic uh, coming in for around £3.5 million pounds on the 21st of August. So for an outlay of £5.5 million, my question would be if Celtic are able to make in the region of £20 million pound profit on both those players, then I think they'll do it. I just think the model that we work towards in terms of recruitment, the age of both players, both players who are really highly regarded, by the way, I think I rate both of them, it's going to be difficult to replace them. Of course it is. But when it comes to the, the finances, James, we, we couldn't possibly turn down offers that would make us that kind of profit. I don't think. I mean, obviously, we've got Champions League group money, but we're out of Europe. Um, and it's the age of these guys. What What's their value yeah. going to be in the summertime? So if that was to happen and both those players were to leave, as long as we get a replacement for Yakamakis, I'm not going to say, are you happy? But, I mean, would it concern you if that was to happen? Well, I'm a big fan of Yakamakis, as would most Celtic fans be. But I think Ange mentioned in the ADM, which I can see myself going back to quite a lot in the last few weeks, they went back to the fact that we've got to be agile mm. in the transfer market. The fans have got to expect some of their favourites are going to leave at some point, don't get too attached, and we're seeing it now. Then you've got to strike while the iron is hot. As you mentioned there, the values, this is the peak time to sell these players on. They're not going to hold their value forever. You can't keep these players forever. The values, when you look at their ages, are only going to depreciate soon. And when you consider the market for right-backs at the moment is probably the hottest commodity on the transfer market, everybody's after a right-back at the moment. So I think if you want to sell your Ivich, the, the time is now, you know, you've really got to strike. And we're being linked with the South Korea striker from the World Cup. I know you always get those rumours around the World Cup. They start linking. If a, a player scores a goal and gets linked to every big club under the sun, it's Gu Sung Cho that's been linked with us this time, the South Korea striker. And with the rumours that Yakimakis is out the door, and the similar thing with Alistair Johnson, you know, if it's linked away, he's getting linked in. It could be sort of a similar situation there as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. But again, it goes back to the point you made at the top of the show with regards to the way that we're doing our business and the, the fact that we're doing it early. Um, these issues aren't, aren't coming as shocks to uh, those behind the scenes. They've already got their ducks in a row and we've got another player, as you say, lined up potentially should Jack Amakis leave the building. Um, I'm going to bring in a few of the, the comments in here. Very interesting comments indeed. Paul McGurk, afternoon lads. I think we've found a gem in Alistair Johnston. Um, you know, we have. <laughs> and I think back to all the right-backs we had between Mikel Lustig and then Tony Ralston breaking through again, second time round under Ange. And there was a whole host of them, wasn't there? I mean, from Elhamid to Toyan, Maritz Bauer, uh, John Joe Kenny. We had a lot Maurice of right-backs. It was one of, the, one of the worst players I've ever seen in our Celtics yet. But he had that cool Inspector Gadget jacket that time on a night out, remember? You see, you see the video, Alistair Johnson, after the move got announced, you see the video he posted on his Instagram? He's in I never saw a that. Bar. He's in a bar in Milan mm-hmm. with 
a pint of Guinness in his hand and he zooms in in the top corner of this pub that he's in there's a Celtic jersey there I, I can't remember Love the that. name on the back but I think he just I'm going off a video him in a pub but I think he could be he could be a player the fans take to Oh, definitely. And by the way, the only reason I never saw it is because I'm not on Instagram yet. But I have been advised I need to get on Instagram, even at my ripe old age. Um, but yes, I, I think that we, we may well have found a gem. But all of a sudden, we've got three right backs in the building, James. We couldn't we couldn't buy a right back for love nor money. I know Frimpong played right back. I thought he was better going forward. I want to talk a wee bit about him as well, because apparently he's uh, on the move. Um, here we go, apparently Gigi is happy in Glasgow. Well, that would be interesting. I'm going to bring this one up as well. He, here's here's you and boy Martin coming in with something really, really sensible. He's thinking along the business line of Celtic here. Better if Croatia go through, as it gives more exposure to Juranovic, and you get a bigger fee. I like your thinking there, Ewan. I really do. And uh, Michael McDonald, here we go. Commentary is easy, James. Have you heard McCoy's? Just have 10 words, phrases ready, and you're sorted. Brilliant, tremendous, unbelievable, big, big, good, good, and tell you what. Well, you famous, might... uh, I've got to say, he, always, he starts every sentence, I've got to say, Clive, or whatever it is. The thing is, everybody's got these comfort phrases and comfort words. I'm pretty sure you could make a compilation of every one of us on Axom um, uh, who have got them. And, and you know, I'm, I'm interested to talk about various other subjects before we get moving on from this World Cup. But I've taken a wee note here. You mentioned Aiden Hazard. Uh, last night I had one eye on... Uh, was it the last night or the night before? Uh, Olivier Giroud scoring uh, a record um, strike for, for France, right? Uh, these two players were very, very close to signing for Celtic, which absolutely Giroud. frightens. Yeah, he wrote about it Wait, in his autobiography, mate. Yeah, he wrote about it in his autobiography. And uh, what happened was um, there was three clubs involved. Three three British clubs were interested in buying him, right? And um, one of them was Middlesbrough. Um, I can't remember the other English team, but the, the other club was Celtic, and we were really interested in buying them. And this is when he signed for Montpellier. Uh, apparently, Tony Mowbray was the manager at the time. And he says in his autobiography that he favoured the move to Celtic. He wanted to come to the Celtic. And um, I don't know if it was because uh, his parent club were going to get a better deal if he went to Montpellier, but the president of his club or the chairman of his club says to him, you know, you, you can't go and play games against Kyle Marnock and hope to be a top, top footballer and all this stuff. So he was he was actually talked out of the move, James. And that was in 2010. I love is an absolutely brilliant player. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he'll go down as one of the greatest strikers all time, but if you just look at his highlight reel and some of the goals he's scored, you would think he was the best player of all time with some of the highlight reel goals he's got. And the fact that he's now a record breaker for France, mm. I suppose he didn't, Benzema wasn't in the national team for ages, so he did get sort of a clean stretch of being the only striker there. But well, that's quite interesting, I never knew that. Yeah, interesting one. Another one was Hazard, who um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if he was actually on trial or Celtic were offered him on trial and we knocked it back, um, Aidan Hazard. Interesting enough how uh, both those players have developed. Um, a big shout out to Murdo McLeod. I was reading. 
uh, over the weekend there about his uh, battle, actually, when he went in for what was meant to be a routine uh, valve replacement. Uh, obviously, he underwent um, heart bypass surgery back in 2010. And um, he was kept in. He was kept in for 131 days, I think it was, James. And um, he's back in his in his house. He's and he's uh, talking very positively about getting back on the golf course. So um, thoughts and prayers with Murdo for a full recovery. He was a phenomenal player for Celtic back in the day. He used to get called the Rhino. Uh, what a strike he had. And I remember him at the 1990 World Cup, actually. At that point, he would have still been with Borussia Dortmund. And Scotland were playing... Brazil. They only beat us 1-0, by the way. I think it was Branco hot a free kick, James, right? And it's coming straight for him. And he knew it was going to hit him off the... And it knocked him out. The, it knocked him out. And by the way, I know that we've, we've obviously had a, um, an announcement over the last couple of weeks that the SFA are implementing new um, heading rules for yeah. clubs, etc. But things like that, it was awful because he gets up after it happens and he goes back down and... People in the comments section will remember it. Mordon McLeod was a right fighter and uh, hopefully he can fight his way back to full fitness. He was talking about the boost that he got when Frank McGarvey visited him, even though Frank hasn't been in great health, health recently as well. Um, and he visited him up at the hospital as well. So thoughts and prayers with both Murdo and Frank at this time. Hopefully you both make a full uh, recovery. Now, it's almost 13 minutes left on the bulletin. And we haven't really spoken about Peter Lowell yet. Um, some comments uh, were made, obviously, on the Friday bulletin when the story broke. Colin did his breaking news thing that he does on Axon. Um, and he mentioned that Peter Lowell had been announced as coming back as a non-executive chairman on the 1st of January, of course, replacing Ian Bankier. Everybody has an opinion on this, James. What's your view? What's your view on Peter Lowell's return? Well, it's quite funny how we go from penny pinching and missing out on big players to talk about Peter Law coming back to Celtic. That's no coincidence. <laughs> that actually. wasn't deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, well, Peter Law came in, what was it, 2003, 2004? 2003, yeah. So they cut, he came in the year I was born, 2003. How many Champions League knockout ties did we win since then? I think it was just one. Mm-hmm. It was a Europa League game against Barcelona. I can't remember if it was 2004 or 2005. The fact that just shows sort of the effect Peter Law had in our club, the penny pinching, it's just associated with so many failures. I know we had the domestic dominance, but we, we had a clean stretch for so long there. It was when I think about it, I think when the news broke on Twitter, I think a lot of people just saw the name Law back at Celtic, the buzzwords cut, and everybody loses their mind. I think it's not, it's a non executive position he's taken up. So I don't think it's going to be he's going to have that much a say or that much influence as he previously had. And we've got so accustomed to Ange and Michael Nicholson. They've worked very well hand in hand the last few transfer windows. So I hope nothing happens at all that seems to sort of muck up or break up the rhythm that we've had. But I think the fact that it's a non-executive position, it makes me think he's going to have nowhere near the influence he previously had when he was the top dog, he was a higher up. Mm. Well, 
it, it has opened up these discussions, James, and instantly you think back to his role that he had before. Like you quite rightly said, he, came, he comes to the club in 2003. He had been at Celtic previously. Uh, we know that he, he worked under Terry Cassidy uh, back in the dark old days of the 1990s, uh, but he did return to the club in September 2003, where he remained until June 2021. And we have got to, if you're going to talk about Peter Law, we've got to talk about the success that Celtic had under him. I mean, you can't just deny that and say, well, we don't want him at the club because of uh, all the negatives. Uh, so obviously he presided over one of the most successful periods um, in the club's history. Under his uh, tutelage, under his watchful eye, Celtic won 29 trophies. We won a quadruple treble. We know we won nine in a row. The success that Celtic had under uh, Peter Law was, was phenomenal. Um, but I think the stickling point is, yes, there is a non-executive chairmanship and you think, right, that's the role. If Peter Lowell is able to undertake that role and not interfere in other matters, i.e. football matters, great, brilliant. Great guy to have in your corner to go into these high-level uh, meetings with uh, the likes of UEFA and fight Celtic's corner. Absolutely get that. My concern has always been that when someone's been at a club for 18, sorry, 17-plus years, right, and he has been your gaffer. He's had superiority over or seniority over everybody at the club, basically, other than Dermot Desmond, who isn't in the runnings of the club day to day in any case. How can you then come to a club and not have that influence? You know, that that's the conflict that I've got. How come people that um, work in these, these environments you know, they'll understand that if you come back, you're still going to be a very influential figure. Some have said that, you know, he's never quite actually left the building uh, 100%. Dermot yeah. Desmond alluded to that uh, when he'd done his interview. Um, he alluded to the fact that he's been on the end of the phone. Ange Postacoglu waxed lyrical about, you know, his part in coming to Celtic, which I found interesting, although not surprising. Uh, interesting in that other people have tried to claim credit for it uh, previously. So, yes, there was the big issues around recruitment. These were big, big issues around some of the players lost. And I don't even mean um, Olivier Giroud. I'm talking the obvious ones. And the, the most recent one would have been when you're sitting looking at a screen and on the left-hand side is the data for Albion Ayeti and on the right-hand side is the data for Ivan Tony, and you decide to go for Ayeti. These are the things you've got, to, you've got to remember. And you know what? If he doesn't get involved in the football side of things, great. But even that comment sounds naive, I think. Uh, to suggest that he won't be involved. Um, I think we became complacent. The recruitment strategy uh, became really, um, for me, it, it got to a point where you got one success and then a number of failures. We just spoke yeah. about the number of right-backs that we went through before we found that we had one at Lennox Town who could have stepped in. Um, very, very dominating force for 17 years. We will see how that goes uh, when he comes back in. But there is also the question of... Who else was uh, considered for the role, you know, because when you're looking at the football club and the chairmanship of that, you've got to consider all candidates. Who else was considered or, or was it just given to someone that they already knew? Um, and that, that's another big concern. Um, I think it was, it was just like when Neil Lennon got the job after the, the Scottish Cup final one. The, no other can, the candidates, they weren't considered. It was him and him only. The the drawer full of names was chucked out, given to Neil Lennon. And I think this uh, similar situation has been done here with Peter Law. It's the jobs for friends sort of thing that 
I thought it'd gone when we brought in Ange Postacoglu, but it seems like it's still lingering around. And when you were talking about the transfer failings there, when you were running through the lineup that played Morton the last time that the two sides met, you run through that lineup, how many of those are failed signings? But the thing was, they were good enough for us to just get by, but they were failures. And yeah. I just hope that sort of thing doesn't return because it's looking like there could be some real European progress under Ange Postacoglu. You look at, I thought we gave a good account for ourselves in the Champions League. It gave me encouragement that we can give a real good go at it in the Champions League next season. I hope Peter Law coming in doesn't have any sort of negative effects on that. And I hope we can just keep pushing on in Europe. Well, the the, the one big thing that was always... Uh a real issue was the fact that we were unprepared, James. We were always unprepared. And I know the situation has changed because we're not, at the moment, playing that that plethora of qualifiers to just get into the groups, right? But I always just felt that you know, we were signing players last minute, we were signing players during that period to trying to get through the qualifiers. You know, there was the um, situation where or two big signings who had cost over 10 million quid uh, and Bolingoli and Julian are sitting on the bench and we're playing Callum McGregor at left back we just always seemed unprepared like every Champions League campaign that came round Beaton's at centre half you know it, it was always the way and I think we've kind of got into the groove now where you do your business in January and yeah it is going to benefit you till the end of the season we saw it with um, Hatate and Maeda and O'Reilly last January but actually, those January signings are for the Champions League campaign. That's so that you're going into the Champions League campaign and the guys are already bedded into the team. And we've got into that groove. We never got into that groove during the nine in a row. You know, in many ways, we were selling players. Frimpong, for example, was sold. Um, and then we ended up replacing them with a loan deal during the Ronnie Dyla times. Yeah, he didn't have a great record in Europe, but look at some of the players he was presented with. You know, and a lot of them were loan deals, and he's had to try and whip up a team from what he's been presented with. How many of the signings were his, for example? And you know, Ronnie Dyla done so so well with the young players at Celtic. He really did. Um, there was also an issue with some of the seniors, and we know that because Brendan Rodgers came to the club and almost uh, ridded the club of every single one of them. The only survivor being yeah, Scott it's Brown. Interesting, from that you make that point because. Nowadays, it feels like we're actually getting the players we want. Yeah. Every player that comes into Celtic right now, it doesn't look like, oh, he's available, we'll just take him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like, oh, we've been offered him. Every player looks like they've been picked for Celtic. There's no random loan deals that we don't need. It's all players that Ange wants. And it feels like we are getting our first choice players as well. Mm-hmm. We're signing Yusuf Lombu because we can't get John McGinn. We're signing... Moritz Bauer because we couldn't get Timothy Castagna. All these players that we missed out on were just settling for mm-hmm. sort of the scraps because we couldn't get sort of the top dog. And we are now getting the players we want. We are getting the first choice. And that shows how far we've come in just a matter of a year since yeah. Peter Law left the club. So yeah. I hope that sort of penny pinching culture doesn't come back along with Peter Law's arrival. Well, the other example, remember, was um, the season that Brennan Rogers finally left um, in the January business we'd done there. We were bringing in players to stop gaps to the end of the season. Guys like Oliver Burke, remember, and you know Neil Lennon comes in and he's left with two or three loan players that he's thinking, well, they're not going to be here next season, so I'm not playing them. So it was a really backwards kind of strategy in many, many ways. Although the main strategy that we always talk about is buy a player young, develop them, sell them for a profit. 
and we had successes with that. Of course we did, but there was many, many others who were not successful in that regard. Um, interesting, though, that Frimpong apparently has got interest from Real Madrid. Um, they're talking of a fee around £20 million. Pounds. And again, I something... I, I thought it would be more as well, because, uh, I mean, I think we got £11 million quid for him. Yeah, we got eleven million. I think it could have rose to about thirteen. But the mm-hmm. thing is, Frimpong has been carrying Leverkusen because Leverkusen's star player was out injured. He's been the main man, and he's a right back. He's yeah. been carrying them forward. I think he's been linked a lot with Manchester United as well. They've been scouting him heavily. So I think Man United would maybe pay a bit more money, a bit of a premium price for Frimpong. I'm not sure how much of a selling fee we had in the deal for Jeremy Frimpong but his ceiling is sky high and we can see that when he was at the club mm-hmm. he just needed a good coaching team to drill it into them and he moved to Leverkusen and that exact thing happened he's, the main criticism was his end product and he's gone over there and he's become one of the most productive players in the league and the best thing about him was his attack and run, getting the balls forward, progressive runs, that was what we looked at for Jeremy Frimpong and these these common leaps and bounds, and hopefully we can get a premium for giving the giving them the opportunity to make his professional debut. He made his first game. Neil Lennon gave him the chance. We often criticise some of the Neil Lennon signings, but one thing I'll give him is some of his talent ID. Some of the players that he picked out were absolutely phenomenal, and Jeremy Frimpong is just one of those. Yeah, I think we paid something like three hundred grand from, didn't we? To to manage. Yeah, it's just a uh, developmental fee. Yeah. Um, 11 million pounds that will be interesting and obviously we might get uh, a percentage of I'm sure we'll get a percentage of the sale on as well Paddy Lavery comes in Kevin Graham's comfort words on Axom are buy my book yeah if you do want to buy Kev's book for a Christmas present for someone by the way lovely stocking fuller the uh, link to our merchandise is underneath the video and you can buy things like that shamrock top which by the way it's a different shade of green it's far more in keeping with the original green uh, as well Monty comes in to say good luck to Murdo and his family absolutely and Red Scotland reckons that Archie McPherson was the best commentator that uh, the Scottish game ever had so listen the big boots for you to fill James but you've started you've made your debut which is more than I've ever done in terms of commentary we did do uh, watch alongs in the early days of the the, the lockdown but then we realised that even Celtic TV was behind um, some of the other uh, probably I don't know uh, sticks etc because people were texting us that Ferenc Varos had scored and we hadn't even seen the goal on Celtic TV so we decided not to do that um, much longer we might return to it you never know we might return to it Um, it depends on how far Maeda and Juranovic goes in this World Cup we might even cover a World Cup game in the later stages listen it's always an absolute pleasure we bang on about the YouTube channel but yeah please subscribe and you'll be in the hat for monthly prize draws we'll be pulling out 25 what, the 25k now? 25? 25 exa- why not? Why not? That's the next milestone. Why not? 25k, let's see if we'll go for it. We have uh, changed it up a wee bit, James, over the last couple of weeks because all Celtic content now goes onto the YouTube channel. We will have a separate YouTube channel for the music chat and the movie chat and politics and everything else that we talk about elsewhere. But it's all Celtic stuff on the YouTube, so thank you all for getting involved. Let me know your thoughts. Um, if you're not watching this live, make a comment underneath. Let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the points made today. All that's left for me to say is, James McKenzie, thank you again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.